Hello, Internet, and welcome to episode 58 of Ancient Ways for Modern Days. My name is Andrew, and with me today is my co-host, Mr. Mike Freeman. Mike, I missed you, my friend. Oh, shucks. I, I missed you as well. Oh, thanks, man. It's, been, uh... it's, it's nice that we have a new uh, recording schedule in the sense that we are now re- releasing this podcast on Wednesday mornings. So uh, we got... In that transition, we got to skip a beat a second, but still yeah. pick right back up. So, so we're not behind. That's right. Yeah. So you, uh, so our, for our listeners, they probably don't know that you, you're working on your doctorate, right? You're going to be eventually Doctor yeah. Michael Freeman. Yep. You're the only one that has to call me that, though. So. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> From the stage, like, and coming up today to speech, she's a Doctor Michael Freeman. <laughs> no, please don't call me that. <laughs> Yeah, we t- I think we talked about this on our last podcast or maybe the one before. Maybe, but, yeah. You know, yeah. Uh, so I spent the last week in a seminar uh, with uh, with nine other guys um, kind of being raked over the coals by our, our professors and, we, and really challenged big time. And it was it was really productive. It was, it was, it was hard, but it was good. That's cool, man. I, I was praying for you. I, I kept thinking about your shoes all week. Uh, just because the last time you went, you were talking about how like business casual in the Pacific Northwest is oh, not yeah, yeah, business yeah. casual yeah, yeah, yeah. down there. And I, this whole week, I was just like, I hope you got the right shoes this time. Yes, like, I did. <laughs> it was funny though. Uh, the 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 main professor, doctor uh, leading leading our program, um, he showed up the first day, three piece suit, really just dressed to the nines. Wow progressively as the week got on though he yeah. got more and more casual so like thursdays wearing like a like a track uh coat and like just pretty pretty chilling so i was like okay okay i, I can hang with this now like okay I, you know i i think it, maybe it's a culture of like a, a first impressions yeah are really and I, maybe we should all adhere to that kind of a value but that's pretty cool, man. That's cool. Well, you know, you being gone this last week was uh it was a kind of a quiet week, but we uh still things kept kept trucking along. I don't know if about if you know this or not, but in in my world right now is the CrossFit Open. And so we've been doing these uh, competitive workouts for the last 3 weeks and stuff. How's that going? Um so I ranked I looked at my score in competition. Uh I ranked 116,000th place out of 1,800 people for men my age. Uh, so I've dropped in the last two years significantly. Um, it was a wake-up call. I was like, you know what, Andrew? Maybe I should be a little more consistent. And it, you know how like sometimes, I don't know if you do this, but sometimes I'll I'll go to do something, like work out, and I'm technically doing it, but I'm not giving it my all or my yeah. heart. So I'm going through the motions, and I'm working up a sweat, and I can justify that like, oh, I'm doing fine. But I... I've got a lot more in the tank and I could have given and now I'm kind of paying for it. Yeah. So that's been a humbling experience to be like, okay, Andrew, let's wake up here a little bit and uh, let's, let's get going. So that's, that's, that was like the highlight of last week, I guess for me. Well, it's <laughs> so. encouraging you to hear you sh- share that actually. Cause I look at you as someone who is consistent, who does put in the work and I'm trying to. Yeah. And you know, this morning I got up and I, I didn't work out last week cause it was just, it was morning to night study. Yeah. 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 And, um, and I was like, okay, today I'm supposed to get back on the program. And everything inside of me did not want to go lift. <laughs> everything inside of me. And I and it, I, I think your voice was probably, probably part of the mix. I was like, nope, I'm going to do it. And I got after it and it sucked. But that's good, I'm thankful man. I did, you know. That's, and, yeah, you know, so that's good. I just appreciate you sharing that you struggle with it as well. Because it's, it's hard to be consistent. It's hard to push yourself. and uh, and it, But it's worth it. It is. It 100% is worth it. And like, you know, 
any effort, and I'm not downplaying whatever effort I've put into it, but like sometimes you just know that you've got a little bit more you can give, and sometimes you got to be consistent in giving that, I guess. But uh, that's cool that you're doing it, man. I've been I've been working with your son for the last few weeks. It's been fun watching him. Uh, just a quick story for our, our listeners. Last week, he got to do his first workout with box jumps, and typically, if, when people start doing box jumps, you know, when they jump up 20 inches onto this wooden box. They get pretty cocky at first because it's 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 easy to do the first twenty, okay. But when you get like sixty, seventy oh, in, tired, yeah, and oh, you've been, yeah. you're running and you're doing other things like this, <laughs> your legs are just shot. Um, I gave him a padded box and he was like, oh, "I can do the wood, wooden box like everyone else." I'm like, "Well, just let's just see what happens." And he missed it. I towards the end of the workout, he missed his jump and he came down. He hit his shins on the corner, but it's padded, oh. so he he landed, popped back up, and laughed his head off. <laughs> And then jump back on. And I, I looked at him and just smiled. And I'm like, I saved your shins, buddy. So, like, Well, I've seen you and Vinny and other guys with those big old kind of scabs on your shins from just cracking them on that. Yeah, so uh, yeah. I, I'm hoping he's thankful. I, I hope he's thankful, too, because uh, I, I just don't want him getting hurt like that. So anyway, Mike, it's good to be back. Um, we've got Easter coming up man and this podcast we're recording a little bit later than we normally do but it's coming out uh wednesday the 24th is there anything that we need to let our church know about what's what's uh, what's happening for easter yeah i mean it's spring now which means two things it means easter's coming in baseball season right and so uh we, we've got easter coming up and uh really excited this last weekend in fact the podcast that dropped previous to this we, we had a weekend where we remembered the the mission Jesus has placed us on. That's right, yeah. Right? We talked yeah. about how Jesus, he invites us to extend his invitation. And so we're hoping to, um, as appropriate for each of us in our different contexts, but to extend the invitation toward those who have yet, tru- yet to trust in Christ, who aren't part of a church. And so we're hoping to see... Um, you know, we're hoping to see our church family relationally invite people to come to Easter or maybe to one of the services in the next few months, but but to connect with our community, to connect people to the gospel. And so those that are listening that are part of Valley, my real encouragement to you is to be praying yes. for those folks that God has placed in your life, to be pursuing some of those those conversations and, and inviting them when appropriate to, to come be part of what we got going on here. And Hear the gospel and trust the gospel. Yeah. So with that, we want partnering with our people. We've created a couple tools that people can use to have natural conversations that lean towards invitation. One of those is a card that will kind of describe the new series that we're about to start on Easter Sunday. Would you mind kind of giving a blurb as to what that what that series is? So maybe people can have they're primed to just entice Absolutely. others. Absolutely, yeah. we're calling it "I'm Done," and it's it's just kind of touching on I think what each of us from time to time feel in our own internal life. Actually, this really connects to some of what we're going to talk about with our content for our podcast today. But sometimes we get in those moments where we're like, I'm, I'm done. I, I hate something about myself. Mm-hmm. I hate a thought pattern. I hate a habit. I hate a hidden sin. I hate certain things about the way I go about living my life. I hate the way I treat people. You know, like that. I'm just, I'm done. I'm jaded. I'm tired. This is the kind of mentality that if it, if it grows in us, this is what leads people to self-harm, to suicide. This is kind of, it's mixed into depression when we experience that. And I think Christians and non-Christians alike, we, we all experience this to different degrees, right? right. And so on Easter, we're, we're just going to call a spade a spade in a sense. We're going to call out the reality of sometimes we, we, we get to this moment where we're jaded, where we're discouraged, where we're depressed. And, uh, and so for four weeks, we're going to talk about what is a biblical response to, to that emotion? What is a biblical response to that experience? How does the gospel meet us where we are? 
it, it doesn't, you know, sugarcoat where we are. It doesn't right. kind of like round off the corners and act like, you know, our reality isn't our reality. It doesn't just say, oh, just act like you're okay and you'll be okay. No, the, the gospel actually addresses us where we are and the depth of whatever kind of internal struggle or external we're going through. And then in that gospel, we, we find hope and a path forward. So we're going to kind of kind of not like deep, deep dive, but, uh, but we're going to get beneath the surface and we're <laughs> going to work through how does, how does Christ help us? And so for the believer, I think it's going to be an incredibly resourceful uh, kind of series that gives us some, some handles on how we battle. Yeah. Um, and for the non-believer, I think it's just going to be a, a really clear and beautiful invitation to freedom in Christ. That's going to be so cool because this is going to be then a series on hope when people have really reached the end of their rope with yeah. whatever frustrations they may have. And I know people deal with things when it comes to their physical like health. You know, they've, they've tried a lot of workouts or they tried different dieting and they, they come to that. And maybe they have a destructive behavior of just uh, indulging in sugary treats or something. Or for someone who, has, who struggles with anger and frustration or any, any of this. I'm, I'm excited for that. So that is a tool, and that is a blurb that we have put together. So if you are looking for a way to um, just let people know what we're doing, that's that's what's on that connection card or that that four by six card that says "I'm done," mm-hmm. and that was available at at our services. We are going to have social media shareables, yeah. if I understand. So it'll be on our Facebook page and our website for people to just share and let people know what's going on. Yeah. We got a great guy on social media that's going to make those and, yeah. and post those and make them shareable that's for right. everyone. So Jax, if you're listening to this, that's that's you, buddy. <laughs> uh, and I'm pretty sure we've already talked about that. But uh, surprise if not. And, and we have been working very hard to make sure that our live stream and our website is up to date and user-friendly for our guests. Um, some of you who've been with Valley long enough probably know that we have been doing a lot of new things with Faith Life, but we just want you to know that we we, we still know that we are still in the COVID se- season, and so we don't want to let COVID be in the way of you inviting someone to engage with our church. We have been working very hard to build up our online presence and interaction, so maybe if you want to, you can share the connection card, or yeah, the card, and let them know that they can check us out on the website or right. even our Facebook page. Yep. Yeah. You can invite someone to come to our service right now, just with the way things work and they, they can watch from their home That's right, and they can connect that way. And, um, it's, it's an encouraging way to reach people in different, different places. It know? is. It is. Well, Mike, with that said, you, you said that today's topic is going to be about hope or maybe, maybe assurance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know we're still diving into the resolutions of Jonathan Edwards. I, I'm excited to, to kind of just jump into this lately. Uh, I've been working with a lot of people who are struggling with doubt, with fear, with their past and things. So I'm excited to see what it is that you've brought to the table for today. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing to see a guy like Jonathan Edwards, who you would think you can look at him as like someone today who doesn't seem to ever have any doubt or doesn't seem to ever, you know, like, man, he must always do the right thing. And mm-hmm. what, what a godly person, you know, I got men and women in my life and I'm like, man, they must always just like, you know, about a thousand when it comes to spiritual things and like, wow, what, what a giant of the faith. That's kind of how we can think of Jonathan Edwards. Yet some of his resolutions have to do with how he battled those, those places, those internal battles, the, the thought life about, you know, like the, those, those nagging worries in your mind regarding your standing before God. That's a an amazing observation because I think there are times where we can look to our role models and think that they never struggle. And right now, I think if I'm hearing you correctly, 
this is an opportunity for us to look at a role model like Jonathan Edwards and identify with his own struggles. Because like, wow, he's human just like me. But not only just leave it there, but he was like, what is it that he did mm-hmm. so that we can learn from him to rise beyond our own like doubts and frustrations? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that, yeah, I'm excited for this. So yeah, it's it. What do you do when you say, "Oh man, I've sinned again," or what do you do with the internal thought life where you say? Man, I saw a person in need and I felt like God was calling me to care for that person and I just walked past them. Like, what do you do with that? Or, you know, I have not been reading my Bible again. What do you do if you're in that habit where you're not reading your Bible and you know you should be? Or you say, man, I was I was given this wide open door to share the gospel or even to invite someone to church and I I clammed up and I and I failed and I got cold feet and I, I did not succeed in this. See, these are the kind of things, the kind of experiences, especially the kind of thought life that we hold on to, that give us a lack of what we often call assurance. Okay. Uh, assurance is the idea of I'm, I'm, I have, I have this foundation. This I'm assured that I'm right with God. And all of us struggle from time to time with a lack of insurance. Uh, insurance assurance. <laughs> you should have insurance, <laughs> at least liability. I but, hope everyone know, has insurance. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but we struggle with a, a lack of. Where do I stand before God right now? Okay. Where do I stand before God when I've messed up, or if my my internal thoughts don't match my you know what what I really should be doing or how I really should be thinking? Okay. And so he's he has four here. Four of his resolutions have been labeled resolutions about assurance, and they're actually in pairs. And so you have to read two of them together to kind of get the the full orbed understanding of what he's talking about here. And so the first pair, resolutions twenty five and twenty six. I think you were going to go ahead and read them. Yeah, so you want me to read both back to back? I think so, yeah. Okay, yeah. So 25 is resolved to examine carefully and constantly what that one thing in me is, which causes me in the least to do, least to doubt of the love of God, and to direct all my force against it. 26 is resolved to cast away such things as I find do abate my assurance. Yeah, so again, we got some some cumbersome language here. Um, but if, if we're going to break it down, I think that that first one says he's he's going to find that one thing in his life that God is calling his attention to, right? What, what's that one thing in my life that that's causing a lack of assurance? Okay. What is that one place in my life where, you know, maybe that one place is, you know, I'm not reading my Bible very often. Mm-hmm. Maybe that one place is, man, I'm working with this person every day. And every day I sense God's telling me to just ask him, hey, what do you, what is it you think about Jesus? And every day I clam up and fail and get cold feet and, and walk away feeling like I failed again, right? He says, what all of us have one thing in our life regularly. I do. There's, there's always something. This is, the, I guess, the reality that he knew he was not perfect. Mm-hmm. We should know that we're not perfect, which means also that that God's not done with us. Okay. And so if I'm understanding him correctly, he's saying I'm going to identify this one place in my life that God is trying to get my attention about, and then I'm going to do something about it. I like this because I, I think we live in a culture today where we don't like examining ourselves. We get scared to go into the depths of our own thoughts because we don't want to see what we find. But I think what we're seeing here is that with the Christian, especially with the gospel behind us, especially as, as exemplified through Jonathan Edwards, that when we take the time to examine, to quiet our minds, you know, to turn off the TV, turn off the music, and just to contemplate a little bit about what God is doing on us, so find that one thing that would cause us to doubt the love of God. Mm-hmm. then we have through the gospel can do something about that and to be delivered from that. 
that is, I think that is a practice that we may struggle with as a culture right now as just, you know, cause we love to just check out. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, let me give you an example. I mean, I, I, we've got two options. We can ignore it or address it. He's going to talk about how he addresses it, but let me tell you, I, I guess I'll be a little bit more transparent here. I, I can tell you what I've identified recently in my life okay. and it's, it's actually, I was challenged about this and it really kind of a lot of things clicked at once when, when someone challenged me with it, but it's earnest prayer. Okay. You know, I, I pray, I pray regularly. I've got prayer lists that I work through, but I think that uh, I'm in a season where I, I have not been earnest in them. I've been saying the words and saying them with sincerity, but not saying them with, with the passion that I've had in the past, not, not going to God with just like this absolute, like bare bone humility, like God, I'm begging you to do what I can't do and to help in these, these situations in these places, trusting that he can. Uh, I think sometimes I fall into a God, please, please help with this. And, and I'm sincere about it, but I'm not, it's not earnest. Mm-hmm. It's not, I, maybe the word is raw. I don't know. Um, but there's been a conviction to me that said, well, I'm just kind of going through the motions a little bit. Okay. And, and so I, I need to address, address my attention to this. I, I need to put my focus on how am I praying? What, what is my prayer life, especially my individual alone prayer life? What does it look like? That is, that, that is mind blowing that you would say that because I equate that to what I talked about earlier about my uh, workouts and just going through the motions where like there is benefit of just doing it, just going through the motions, right? Like pray, you praying, there, there's something happening there, but the idea of like, is your heart in this? Are you fully, yeah. fully in this? Are you, are you present in that? And that is what is what has been brought to your attention. I think what's I think what should be normalized and what people need to understand is that we are, as as Christians, we are in sanctification, that we go through different seasons of God calls to our attention something, and then God grows us in that through his gospel, and then eventually, just because we may or may not overcome that, when we do overcome that, doesn't mean we're done. Mm-hmm. The next thing is the guy says, okay, now let's deal with this. And I th- that looks like Jonathan Edwards is constantly looking for that. And for you in your life right now, it's it's that earnest prayer. That's exactly right. And you know, so his response is, you, you can ignore it or you can address it. Okay. Or I can ignore this and I can keep kind of doing my, and again, I, I think you're right. It's not that I'm not praying. It's not that I'm praying in a fake way. It's just, um, it's not as earnest yeah. as, as I think God calls me to. Mm-hmm. And if I'm really going to boil that down, I say, you know what, there is a, there is a, a portion of my prayer life that's lazy. That that's really what it comes down to. There's a portion of my prayer life that's that's not fully engaged. Mm-hmm. And so this actually back to his resolution 25. This can cause me to cast, cast doubt on the love of God for me, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, God's not going to love me if I'm lazy in my prayer life, right? Like, and God loves me no matter what. I know that mm-hmm. because of the gospel of Jesus and His death and resurrection. But because I've identified this, because His Spirit's brought it to my attention. Am I going to ignore this or am I going to act on it? In his action, he says, resolved to cast away such things as I find do abate my assurance. So I'm in the process right now of casting away this laziness in prayer. And so some ways I do it. Instead of praying in my chair, I, I pray on my knees. You know, um, maybe I'll even lay on my face from time to time. Like, like I, I, whatever it looks like for me to, in my heart, know that I'm not being lazy in my prayer life, mm-hmm. knowing that God's grace and his love is all, they've already been poured out upon me, right? Mm-hmm. And so this, this what it does is it, it increases my assurance. 
And it's not because of something I'm doing. It's because I'm connecting with what God's already done. And that's, I think that's what the, the important distinction, you know, going back to our culture of people who don't like to take the time to look at the inner workings of ourselves. I think one of the reasons why we don't do that is because we have looked at it, saw that it was ugly, tried to do something about it and has failed. But as Christians, we have the leading of the spirit, the deliverance of the gospel that says that God says, I have brought this to your attention and I have the solution. It is me. Just connect with me and allow me to change this in you. Like when, when I, when I, I got shivers just thinking about that because that, man, that is the Christian life as, as, as you, you said, we had two options. We can find that thing and we can ignore it or we can address it. But if we ignore it, this kind of goes into something you and I talked about earlier today. It's what happens is we, we kind of close off a part of our heart mm-hmm. and eventually we become, we, we become like, like slaves or not slaves. Oh, actually, yeah. Slaves or prisoners mm-hmm. within our own hearts and our own minds. When God is like, no, let's, let's set you free from this. Let's work through this. And that is only thank be, thanks be to God through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you, you mentioned, you said sometimes we try to address it and we fail. And because we fail, we, we don't want to address it again because we don't want to fail again. Yeah. And that's where, that's where we forget God's grace. God's grace says, man, you you failed. Okay, let's keep going. Let's remember that you've been forgiven in Christ, that you've been made a new creature in Christ, that that there is hope that the spirit dwells in you. And even though you failed, your story's not over. You can keep moving. And so uh, it's it's so encouraging to live in light of the gospel. It 100% is. And and that's what makes this kind of conversation really vital is because it reminds us of what applying the gospel actually looks like in our everyday lives. Yes. And so I think that's what he's trying to do in these resolutions. And we can keep going if you want. You can read the next two if you'd like. So these are uh, 48 and 49. It says, resolved constantly with the utmost niceness and diligence and the strictest scrutiny to be looking into the state of my soul that I may know whether I truly an interest in Christ or not. I have truly. I have truly an interest in Christ or not, that when I come to die, I may not have any negligence respecting this to repent of. Man, that was wordy. Okay. Yes, it was. <laughs> and then 49 is resolved that this never shall be if I can help it. Yeah. So he's saying when I get to the end of my life, when I come to die, that there's never, there's not anything left that I can repent of. Right. And so he's saying if there's the key phrase here is interest in Christ. If I have truly an interest in Christ, he's looking to examine himself. He says with niceness, which is a funny way. I'm, like I'm going to examine myself with niceness, mm-hmm. um, but also with the strictest scrutiny, he, he's going to look at the state of his soul. He's going to say, is there anything in me that does not have interest in Christ or, or the things of God? And he says in, in that moment, I, I want to repent of it mm-hmm. in that moment so that I've done it so thoroughly that when I get to the end of my life, he says, it shall never be that I have anything left to repent of because I have been so thorough, so diligent in self-examination saying, is there anything that is showing I don't have an interest in Christ? Um, This is the interior examination of the soul saying, where am I not loving Christ? I would put it this way. This is a preview for this coming weekend's message. Where, Where am I having a covetousness covetousness in my heart because we're going to do the 10th commandment this weekend mm-hmm. thou shalt not covet and this is paul equates it to idolatry where am i loving something instead something instead of loving christ where am i loving something more than i'm loving christ mm-hmm. 
And now this is under the, the, the banner of assurance. So he is saying, I'm going to examine my heart in such a way so that I'm making sure I don't have any love greater than Christ because when I examine it and when I find something and I repent of it, you know what this does in my life? It creates an assurance. It, 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 when, when I'm turning to God and I'm remembering that Jesus has paid for that sin so I can freely repent of it, this creates a hope and a joy. This creates a, an, an actual assurance that I am right with God. Yeah. That, that act of repentance, that act of repentance actually confirms his standing before God. I mean, we've been there, right? Yeah. You ever been in those places where you knew you had sin in your life and you uh, had a hard heart and you were unwilling to repent of it? And uh, it's like it's like the clouds don't break, and it's like the weight gets heavier. Uh, David talks about like his bones drying up within him mm-hmm. because he did not confess and repent of his sin. But then when you do, when you do, and you experience the love and the grace, and you remember what Christ has done for you, there's like this this flood of of hope and of peace, and this this experience of restoration. That experience of restoration, that internal experience as you trust in Christ, it creates a sense of assurance. Assurance, yeah. Yeah, that, that's, I think that's what he's getting at here. Yeah, I think, yeah, I, I see that. I, you, you, were, you were talking about how we've experienced that ourselves. And I, I keep thinking about, you know, there have been times in my life, and I, I, I think this happens to every Bible-believing Christian, so if you ever feel this way, I don't think you're alone. But I think there are times when you just kind of doubt your salvation or you're like, what am I doing? Why do I do this? Am I saved? And in those moments when God reveals sin and you repent and you it, and it breaks your heart and you, even if you've been trying to, to deny it for so long and then God finally just grabs a hold of you, you're, you're right. It's, it's weird. It's like this bittersweet moment where like, I know, I see my brokenness, but yet I am so thankful that God is breaking me because it lets me know he is near. And so instead of being distraught and, and, and forlorn about that, it's a word I've never used before. <laughs> um, it is Vocab- vocabulary builders working. Right I know, now. I guess. <laughs> so I, I, I rejoice and like God is near. Look as he moves in my heart and brings me closer to him. And I, I, I can totally see that what you mean then by assurance through repentance. Yeah. And let's just, kind of, I want to be a little pastoral here because I, I don't know where all our listeners are and the way they're listening to this. But I, I, from time to time, I counsel people. I meet with people and they won't go here. They're holding on to their sin or they're, they're like you, you we're really good at repenting up to like, you know, 50% mm-hmm. and we're still hiding stuff when we, we still got this thing that we're holding on to that's not actually directing our affection at Christ. And it's one of the most heartbreaking things to watch because it's, it's that imagery of, of being like enslaved in your own mind, yeah. ensla- you know, bound a prisoner in yourself because it's like that assurance and that joy and that peace is just waiting for them. And yet they're holding so tightly to whatever sin whatever anger, whatever bitterness, whatever lust, whatever hate that they're holding so tightly to whatever selfishness it is that they can't, they're, they're unwilling to drop that and instead pick up the joy that they have in Christ. Right. And, um, again, maybe, maybe our listeners are there. Maybe there's something coming to your mind where you've got something, some habitual sin or, or something hidden, or maybe it's even not hidden. Maybe others know about it and you just have kind of been like resign yourself to like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be bitter about this no matter what. I'm, g- I'm going to keep pursuing this. I mean, let me just plead with that person for a moment. 
it, it it's never done anyone any good to hold on to their sin. Yeah, it, it, it's you know, we talked a few weeks ago about the proverb: "Can a man hold fire uh, to his chest and not be burned?" Talking about sexual sin, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but every sin applies the same way. That there's nothing good that is ever going to come from holding on to this. It's actually going to create a lack of assurance. It's going to create a lack of joy, a lack of hope, a lack of peace. These things that are intangible, but worth so much more than anything else we're holding on to. And, and so I would encourage you to, to repent of that, to, to drop it, to turn away from it. And, and just like he says, to, to resolve that it shall never be, if I can help it, to, to have a vision that you get to the end of your life. And there, there's not this, this pile of stuff you have to repent for. But instead, you, you get to the end of your life and, and you see, man, God has been working so powerfully in my life for weeks, months, years, decades. Mm-hmm. He's been working so powerfully in my life that I have such the, the term blessed assurance because <laughs> Jesus is mine. Yeah, This confidence of heart and mind and soul, knowing that you've been forgiven, knowing that, that Christ is, is so, he's so real and so powerful in your life. That's, that's my plead. Uh, my pleading to those who are listening, maybe you are holding on to things that, that aren't giving them any hope or joy. You know, that's, that's such a, I echo your plea because we hold on to things typically because that's just what we know. You know, statistically, we know that children of divorce tend to divorce just as well. And even if they don't like the way that their parents ended up being whatever, that's all they know. And so they hold on to their anger or their frustration, but yet the gospel injects a new way, a new path, a new life into, into us. And, you know, I, I just, I had this image in my mind as Jonathan Edwards saying, like, you know, examining yourself and getting to the end of your life and hoping that there's like, there's nothing left to repent of. I just, I just realized that like when you become a Christian, you now have like this opportunity to take this, this truckload of brokenness in your heart and to slowly sift through like what God wants to address and then to give it over to him. And it's as time goes on, as God, you know, you helps you examine a new thing to grab and then to continue as you get to be sanctified, that pile gets smaller and smaller. We're being put together and we're being made more and more whole so that hopefully by the end of our lives, there's so much less and we're so much more whole that is so different than the idea of growing up to be a bitter old man. You know, I think about what you just said is that some people want to hold on to their sin and it's like, well, this is just who I am. And I think about people who, as they age and as they get hurt more and more and, and, and God be with them instead of like learning to work through it and heal of it, like, like as you would assume an adult would know how to do, we hold on to those things, that bitterness, that brokenness, because we're, maybe we're stubborn or we just didn't know Christ or something. I don't, I don't know. But man, I, that, that tells me that there is a, there is a possibility to get to the end of your life and not be bitter about the life that you have lived, but actually to see even through all the turmoil that could have gotten, that could have happened. You can still stand and say that God is good. I, a couple of years ago, I went to a, a memorial service for um, a professor at, at Corbin and I, I just realized like that's who he was. He got to the end of his life and he was still ministering to people, loving people and just as joyful as ever. And like his funeral was huge, man. It's crazy to me that some people who are angry and bitter and they don't go through this kind of stuff that like I've done memorial service for people who they're just scratching for something positive to say. 
Mm-hmm. Whereas this man, I think because he understood the gospel and he practiced it and he preached it and he lived it, that he was still impacting so many people up until his 80s or 90s. Yeah. yeah. The Bible calls this our new and living way. All right, the passage I want to look at just for a moment, Hebrews 10, starting in verse 19. I'm just going to do a verse at a time and then kind of just kind of like stroll through it for a moment. It says, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, this confidence isn't how good you've been, Andrew. This confidence isn't, I have confidence to enter the holy place because I've cleaned my act up or because I've done a good job mm-hmm. or even because I've repented enough. Like, no, this is our confidence. It rests completely on the, the substitutionary death that Jesus paid on our behalf. Our sin has been paid for, paid in full. This gives us a great confidence to enter the holy place, enter into communion with God, Yeah. right? It says, verse 20, by the new and living way that he opened up, for us through the curtain that is through his flesh this is this is, we have this confidence to enter this new and living way this is a brand new way to live in relationship with the god and live out our, our lives and it's opened up well through his flesh again through the payment uh, on the cross verse 21 and since we have a great high priest over the house of god again this is jesus's role as priest mm-hmm. he, he stands between us and god he's the mediator he's he's the only one we need verse 22 because of this, because of this confidence, because of this new and living way, because of Jesus and his death and resurrection, verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith. We can draw near to God with full assurance, not partial assurance, not not (laughs) just liability assurance. Like we can draw near to God with full assurance with our hearts, sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We've been made new. We've been, our conscience has been cleaned. Verse 23, here's what we do. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. Why? For he who promised is faithful. We hold fast. Our assurance is not built on us holding fast. It's built on he who he who promised is faithful. Right. Our assurance actually is not based on our ability to repent enough or to be good enough or to clean up our life enough. It's actually based completely on Jesus and his death and resurrection and his faithfulness and his promise to see us through to the end. It, assurance is a wonderful thing because it's not actually built on us. Edward's practice of self-examination, I believe it led him to trust in the, the one who promises more than it led him to to trust in his ability to be good and to repent. This is the same thing with us. Yeah. If you hear this message and you're saying, well, there, there's some things, things I got to add to my list of spiritual to-dos mm-hmm. so I can have assurance. If, that, if that's what you're hearing, I'm, I'm communicating terribly because at the end of the day, the assurance we have, we walk in it. We do these things because of what Christ has done. That's right. As we trust in him, as we look to him, as we hold hold fast to him, is what it says, hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering. The confession of our hope is that Jesus has died and rose again. He who promised is faithful. You know, I think that takes the, that, that's, that, that, that comes with the idea that we need to just meditate on the, uh, that, meditate on the idea that Christ is enough. That's what it is. I think, 
as we look at scripture and as we've worked with people, I think there are a lot of people who would look at spiritual do lists like, well, I need to be more holy. I need to do all these things. But sometimes when you come to realize what sin there is in your heart, you can just stop and be like, you know what? I see this now. Thank you, Lord, for showing me. I thank you for Christ because he is enough. I don't remember what conversation we've had multiple conversations today before this, this podcast, but, um, we were talking about sometimes, sometimes we feel like, uh, imposters or we feel like we're not enough or that we feel inadequate for, for a lot of things that we're, we're doing in ministry or in life. But you know what? Christ is adequate. He's more than adequate. He is enough. That's and what we were praying during our prayer meeting. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. And uh, I, that struck me just just because I, I constantly think about. Uh, we, we've had some people in in some of the groups I'm in talk about imposter syndromes. How they they're trying to do the best they can at whatever job that they're doing, but they just feel like I'm a charlatan. I don't belong here. I'm not adequate. I'm not enough. And I keep thinking to myself, man, I feel like that sometimes. I feel like that all all the time when I'm preaching. At times when I'm up there on stage, I'm like, oh man, what am I doing? Like this is this is crazy. But the truth is, it's it's God. God is enough. And I get to just sit back and just rest in Him. So I think right here, this this idea of assurance. I think it starts with Christ that he's calling us and then taking that time to let the spirit whisper into us what it is that we need to be repenting of, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It starts with Christ and it ends with Christ. Yeah. Right. That's the definition of our, our faith. Yes. It's, it's Christ in Christ alone, our cornerstone. He he is the one who's saved us. Mm -hmm. He's the one who is faithful. He's going to one who's going to, finish this good work, this work he started, he's going to bring it to completion. That's right. And so that's, that's why we think about assurance in this way. That's why we examine ourselves to say, where are the places where internally I'm not aligned with God's call in my life? And, and when we turn and we repent, what we end up doing is remembering what Christ has done. And that's what gives us greater assurance. That's right. That's right. Well, Mike, thank you for bringing that in today. I, th- I am excited for this to go out amongst our, our people and hopefully they, this will be edifying for them. So would you, uh, would you go ahead and just close us in prayer? Father, we, we do come to you and just like, uh, our team was praying earlier. We come to you as those who are uh, weak, as those who are, um, carrying around blind spots, as those who are hurt and wounded. And sometimes that defines so much of our lives. We come to, to you as those who sin and are weak and our sin at times. And in all of these things, God, we, we take our eyes off of our weakness and our frailty and off of our, our susceptibility to sin. We repent from those things and, and we turn to Christ. God, we, we pray that for every one of our listeners right now, that you would be gently reminding them of, of the truth of the gospel that you would be reminding them that all of their sin has been paid for, that it's been washed from them. It's been removed from them as far as the East is from the West. And so now, now we are free to live with confidence in this, in this new and living way, full of assurance in you. God, I pray it leads us to turn from our sin. I pray it leads us to let go of the bitterness and the anger and the lust and the selfishness of any greed or any hate Lord, Lord, I pray that as we let go of this thing, those things, we're able to embrace more and more of the blessing we have in Christ, his joy and his peace and his love, the eternal hope that, that we await. 
And God, we pray that as we do this, that you are glorified. God, I even pray that as we do this, you would use us in powerful ways in the lives of of one another, encouraging each other, and also use us in powerful ways in the lives of those who have yet to know the great gifts that are given in Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.